0: Hello, and welcome to the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Joe. Hi, hello. It is that time of the month, y'all, where we are here to talk about our November book picks. So, you already know Emma and Jill are here with me, and we're going to dive right into what we are excited to add to our TBR in the coming month.
1: There's so many good books out in November, just diving right in.
2: Seriously, it was it hard. Was- it was hard to choose.
0: Yeah, like the burden of choice was real. Uh before we get into book number one, I have to say all the podcaster things. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Give us five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening. Make sure you're following us on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBooknerds. Nerds. And of course, if you want to reach out to us nerds, send an email to your buddies over at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. With that, I'm just going to jump in. My first title comes out at the end of the month. I'm wilding out with my order today. This is The Personal Assistant by Kimberly Bell. It is a deeply addictive thriller exploring the dark side of the digital world when a mommy blogger's assistant goes missing. When Alex first began posting unscripted family moments and motivational messages online, she had no intention of becoming an influencer. Overnight, it seems she'd amassed a huge following and her hobby became a full-time job, one that was impossible to manage without her sharp-as-a-tack personal assistant, AC. But all the goodwill of her followers turns toxic when one controversial post goes viral in the worst possible way. Alex reaches out to AC for damage control, but her assistant has gone silent. This young woman Alex trusted with all her secrets, who had access to her personal information, and front row seats to the pressure points in her marriage and family life is now missing, and the police are looking to Alex and her husband for answers. As Alex digs into AC's identity and a woman is found murdered, she'll find the greatest threat isn't online, but in her own living room. It's written in alternating perspectives between Alex, the mommy blogger, her husband, and the mysterious AC. And this juicy cat and mouse story will keep you guessing till the very end. Now we're in yeah, go ahead, John.
2: I <laughs> I like all of these words put together. Yes. Like I,
0: I mean, in I the like, space we're in, where in like where kids at career day say that they want to be Mr. Beast when they grow up, I love this concept of didn't mean to get famous, became an influencer. And now we're seeing the other side. We're seeing the like tri guy of it all. We're seeing all of these different, like th- this to me is so appealing because I'm, I'm not an iPad baby by any means, but I did love me some YouTube and still love me some YouTube content. And the idea of an influencer gone awry and then mysterious like mole in the machine, personal assistant, I'm here for it.
2: I am here for all of the things.
0: So that is The Personal Assistant by Kimberly Bell out November 29th.
2: I can go next. My first one is Shipwrecked by Olivia Dade, which I pre-ordered immediately as soon as she announced it a few months ago. Uh, <laughs> So after all the feels and spoiler alert, Olivia Davis once again delivers a warm and wonderful romantic comedy about two co-stars who had an incredible one night stand. And after years of filming on the same remote island are finally ready to yield to temptation again. I mean, that's quite an intro. So Maria's one night stand, the thick eyed sexy Viking of a man she left without a word or note just reappeared apparently peter's Sir surly god of the gates co-star and they're about to spend the next six years filming on a desolate irish island together she still wants them but he now wants nothing to do with her peter knows this role could finally transform him from a forgettable character actor into a leading man he also knows a failed ma- relationship with maria could poison the set and he won't sabotage his career for a woman who's already walked away from him once Given time, maybe they can be cooperative colleagues or friends, possibly even best friends, but not lovers again, no matter how much he aches for her. (laughs) Okay, guy. For years, they don't touch off camera, but on their last night of filming, their mutual restraint finally shatters and all their pent-up desire explodes into renewed passion. Too bad they still don't have a future together. Since Peter is going back to Hollywood while Maria is returning to her native Sweden, she thinks she needs more than he can give her, but he's determined to change her mind. And he spent the last six years waiting. Um, Again, I like all of these words put together in one. Um, I love Olivia Dade's series, essentially is what they are of of characters um, who all work on the same fantasy TV show. And yes, please. Yes, please.
0: That's a cool concept to me uh, that she's got like a rotation of characters that share a common thing, but it's not really a series with through lines in the traditional sense.
2: Yeah, that's really common in romance. Okay. And, but yeah. I'm showing my hand here. No, that's okay. No, yeah, (laughs) no, that's actually super common in romance where there's like a group of connected individuals, whether they're friends or family or colleagues where each one kind of gets their own book and their own story. Um, and so there's some overlap. You don't necessarily have to read them in order, although you might end up being slightly spoiled on like a relationship from a previous one. But again, they're romance. So you know, who's going to end up, like people are going to end up together eventually. Anyway. right? Um, and like the fun of these kinds of things. And I think Beth and I talked about this in our episode, we did just last week or whatever, is that it, writers can if it's plotted out enough they can kind of leave breadcrumbs for these these pairings that you're sort of like eventually you'll get to them but yeah so
0: I love that that's also super interesting because I've noticed from the like YA circuit that that idea of taking a character that maybe you even just mentioned in a previous book is starting to bleed over into that space so that's that's really cool for me to as not a romance reader to see where that came from
1: yeah, it's cool. I can't wait for that one. It looks so good. In not the right vibe at all, my first pick is The Prisoner by B.A. Paris. So when Amelie, Amelie, I don't know how to pronounce these names if we're going to go like full French.
0: Like like the movie? Yeah. l a Yeah, it's Amelie.
1: Mm-hmm. Amelie is used to surviving and doing everything on her own. She's worked hard to build a life for herself when she meets and marries a handsome billionaire, Ned Hawthorne. Fast forward and Amelie wakes up alone in a pitch black room with no idea what's happened or where she is. Why does this prison feel safer than when she's with her husband? Who are her captors? Where the heck is she? Uh, So fans of B.A. Paris who read Behind Closed Doors will absolutely devour this thriller in the same vein. This is out November 1st. The minute they compared this to Behind Closed Doors, you have like a billionaire husband, like things are not as they seem. Yes, yes,
2: yes. I read an arc of this and yes, all of that. Yes, yes. It is, it is definitely in that same kind of spirit of Behind Closed Doors, and it's really good. Yay, which Behind Closed Doors is one of my
1: all-time top thriller, suspense, mystery, domestic, whatever type of reads. So if BA Paris is back again with something similar, then sign me up. So yeah, that was The Prisoner by BA Paris out November 1st.
0: My next pick is out November 15th. This is Wicked Little Things by Justin Arnold. So, this is a fun YA queer kind of horror story. If you still need something to carry you over from, you know, post Halloween into, you know, the holiday season, this might be the book for you. But here we go. I am uh, eagerly awaiting reading this one. Join a Coven, Catch a Killer, Get a Makeover. When his cousin is murdered, recently outed 16-year-old Dane Craven is forced to return to his unbearably small hometown of Jasper Hollow. It would be easy enough for him to keep his head down if it weren't for three inescapable facts. One, Dane is a witch with fiery powers he has little ability to control. Two, Dane thinks he's responsible for the death of his cousin. And three, he's already been claimed by a coven of fashion-forward mean girls desperate to give him a makeover. Being the gay best friend to a trio of teenage witches was never high on Dane's list of aspirations, but fortunately for him, these girls have necromantic powers he needs to figure out who killed his cousin. Plus, he could do with some new clothes. While on the hunt for his cousin's killer, Dane discovers life in Jasper Hollow isn't all bad. There's a cute boy who works at the local coffee shop and enjoys long walks in the woods for one. But when the rabbit-faced killer comes for Dane, he'll be forced to come to terms with who he is and where he belongs before it's too late for him and everyone in Jasper Hollow. Wicked Little Things is spooky and campy. It's horror, it's mystery, it's romance, and it sounds like it's going to have a whole lot of sass. I would say uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina meets The Fell of Dark. So that's Wicked Little Things by Justin Arnold, out November 15th.
2: It's giving me the honeys vibes
0: too. Absolutely, honeys vibes, which I'm here for. Like which I'm here for. Yeah, like witchy honeys. Like witchy honeys. Into yeah. it. <laughs>
2: yeah, witchy honeys. That's the way to put it. Yeah. My next one is the Seven Moons of Mali Almida by Shahan Karan Al tilaka Um, this is set in Colombo in 1990. Ma- Molly Almeida is a war photographer, a gambler, and closet queen, and has woken up dead in what seems like a celestial visa office. His dismembered body is sinking in the beer lake, and he has no idea who killed him. At a time when scores are settled by death squads, suicide bombers, and hired goons, the list of suspects is depressingly long, as the ghouls and ghosts who cluster around him can attest. But even in the afterlife, time is running out for Molly. He has seven moons to try and contact the man and woman he loves most and lead them to a hidden cache of photos that will rock Sri Lanka. This is like, based on the description, okay, first it was shortlisted for the Booker Prize, which always, we're here for that. The Times describes it as an exuberant whodunit. There can't be many novels that simultaneously bring to mind Agatha Christie, Salman Rushi, and Jean Le Carre, but this one does. So, yeah, it's it it sounds fun, but also inventive and a celestial visa office. I mean, there's just so much to love about this description. So, I'm very, and it has a very bright and colorful cover, which I'm here
0: for. It's giving Beetlejuice. Uh, I love. Uh, yeah, I, I love that. It's it's kind of like the blend of if mine is the camp version, yours is like the art house serious version yeah
2: yeah and I'm not like I'm I'm not at all I should not say I'm I'm not at all familiar with this particular time period in Sri Lanka but I guess it's Mm -hmm. during a time of war and um so this is sort of set amid that yeah that is happening in the in the the country
0: sounds super cool
1: that sounds wonderful and not again like the vibes for November are seemingly all over the place. So, yes, oh great. <laughs>
2: Just my, wild vibes.
1: So, my next pick is Bloodmarked by Tracy Dion. This is for Legendborn fans. Rejoice. Tracy Dion is back with the much anticipated sequel, Bloodmarked. So, in Legendborn, we saw Brie, the main character, infiltrate the Legendborn Order to get to the bottom of her mother's death and find out the truth behind that. The Legendborn Order are descendants of King Arthur's knights. And in doing so, Brie discovers her own power. We love this type of story. If you can tell where I'm going, she's now also a medium, but there's a war between demons and the legend born, and it's reaching a dangerous peak to make matters worse. Nick, the legend born boy that Brie fell in love with has been kidnapped. So with no help from the regents that control the Legendborn order, Brie and her friends decide to go after Nick themselves. There are enemies everywhere. Bree's powers are new and unpredictable, and she can't escape her growing feelings for Selwyn, the mage, 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 I'm struggling with the words today, who was sworn to protect Nick until death. So we have war, we have a secret order, a apparent love triangle, a coming of age while grappling with unwieldy powers. Yes, yes, and yes, this book is out November 8th. And that was Blood Marked by Tracy Dion.
0: It sounds like maybe we're all going into our comfort zone as we're heading into hibernation mode. We've got like mysteries. We've got thrillers. We've got romance. We've got the the good feels of mysterious power coming of age storylines.
1: Yes, I do love this kind of trope, you know, girl discovering her powers Fighting, you know, the common enemy, love triangle, magic.
0: I mean, sign me up. I'm ready.
1: (laughs) It's just so, so good. So I can't wait for that.
0: My next book is out November 8th and described by Ruth Ware as a deliciously tense ride. This is Secluded Cabin Sleep Six by Lisa Unger. Three couples rent a luxury cabin in the woods for a weekend getaway to die for in this chilling locked room thriller by, of course, the New York Times bestselling author Lisa Unger. What was, you know, pitched as a restful, restorative weekend getaway with family and friends in an isolated luxury cabin in the woods, complete with spectacular views, a hot tub and a personal chef, seemingly goes awry. So we've got Hannah, her loving and generous tech mogul brother found this listing online with stellar reviews and it's his birthday gift to Hannah and it includes uh, their spouses and another couple. So the six friends need this trip with good food, good company and lots of rest and relaxation far away from the chatter and pressures of their modern lives. But the dreamy weekend is about to turn into a nightmare. A deadly storm is brewing. The rental host seems to be just a little too present. And the personal chef reveals that their beautiful house has a spine-tingling history. The friends each have their own complicated pasts and secrets that seem to run blood deep. How well does Hannah know her brother, her own husband even? Can she trust her best friend? And who is the new boyfriend crashing their party? Meanwhile, someone is determined to ruin the whole weekend, looking to exact a payback for deeds long buried. Who is the stranger among them?
1: This sounds so good.
0: Uh Yeah,
1: (laughs) I love this type of book. My gosh. Uh,
0: Me too. Anything that can give me like I know what you did last summer vibes. I'm like, I'm here. I'm back. Sign me up. So that is Secluded Cabin Sleep 6 by Lisa Unger, out November 8th, if you need all those good vibes. Oh Well, I mean, the book is yeah. going to be a good read. The vibes are probably trash. <laughs> 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 I wouldn't want to experience those vibes, but I want to read it.
2: Right. Uh, speaking of vibes, I would not want to experience, but we'll read about. I have Small Game by Blair Braverman. Four strangers and six weeks. This is all that separates Mara from one life changing payday. She was surprised when reality TV producers came knocking at Primal Instinct, the survival school where she teaches rich clients not to die during a night outdoors, and even more shocked to be cast in their new show, Civilization. Now she just has to live off the land with her fellow survivors for long enough to get the prize money. Whisked by helicopter to an undisclosed location, Mara meets her teammates the grizzled outdoorsman, the Eagle Scout, the white-collar professional, and Ashley, the beautiful but inexperienced who just wants to be famous. Mara's usual rugged childhood has prepared her for the discomfort and hard work ahead, but trusting her fellow survivors, not part of Mara's skill set. When the cast wakes one morning to find something has gone horribly wrong, fear ripples through the group. Are the producers giving them an extra challenge or are they wrapped up in something more dangerous? Soon Mara and the others face terrifying decisions as survival becomes more than a game. Okay, so as someone who like woke up early this morning that we are recording to be able to watch the final two episodes of The Mole on Netflix and who watched like Love is Blind season three, I'm like gonna finish it today, the episodes that are out and it's like watch Survivor, even like send an audition tape to Survivor years ago. Like I am here for all of this because I love reality TV.
0: This also kind of hits me with The Running Man. The,
2: yes. You yes. know, it's,
0: it's kind of got that, that vibe as well. But I'm I'm with you. I love some reality TV. Uh, can't be mad at it. This sounds Can't be
2: mad at it. It sounds so good. It sounds so good. This is reminding
1: me of something, but I don't know what. And it's going to bother me.
2: Was it a book? There was a book that came out a couple of years ago called The Last One by Alexandra Olivia, I think. And it was a woman who was on a reality TV show and was like the last one surviving and has to figure out what is like the world is. Well, the world is sort of in a global pandemic and she has not quite figured that out. Um, But I don't know if that's what it is or not.
1: It sounds so familiar. I love this though. It's kind of combining two things I didn't know I needed, which was reality TV and, you know, murder. Yeah. Like a
0: weird (laughs) weird. Hunger Games situation that you didn't know you were in.
1: Exactly. That sounds great. And my next pick... I did not line up my vibes. My next pick is a romance. (laughs) Two Wrongs Make a Right by Chloe Lise. So this is dubbed as a swoony reimagining of Shakespeare's Much Ado About Nothing. So first and foremost, I love a Shakespeare retelling because English nerds forever and always. So this is like a fake dating romance to the extreme. We have Jamie and B. They have absolutely nothing in common. And when they first meet, they pretty much walk away knowing that they're absolute opposites and they like want nothing to do with each other. Uh, Their friends have other plans, of course, and sort of trick them into a blind date. On that date, they realize that they do have one thing in common. They want revenge on their meddling friends. They're sick of it. They're tired of being tricked into love make love matches they want their friends to stop meddling with their love lives and so they decide to fake date to the point of obnoxiousness like be so over the top in love with each other and then they're going to have a massive breakup uh, to discourage their friends from ever meddling again but in a classic fashion uh what happens when their fake dating starts to become Easy. Were their friends a bit more correct than they thought? Oh, this book is out November 22nd, and that is Two Wrongs Make a Right by Chloe Lee. I
0: mean, I'm petty enough that I think I'd still be like, yeah, maybe I fell in love, but we're going to end this like we planned.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I can't wait. I love fake dating. <laughs>
0: It's a great trope because it always turns into the best, like, oh, they were perfect all along, Uh uh-oh.
2: I love fake dating is my favorite, hands down. I love it, I love it so much.
0: So my vibes are also all over the place or maybe all in the same vein, who knows. My next book is also out November 8th. This is Now Is Not The Time To Panic by Kevin Wilson. 16-year-old Frankie Budge, aspiring writer, indifferent student, offbeat loner, is determined to make it through yet another sad summer in Coalfield, Tennessee, when she meets Zeke, a talented artist who has just moved into his grandfather's unhappy house and who is as lonely and awkward as Frankie. Romantic and creative sparks begin to fly, and when the two jointly make an unsigned poster shot through an enigmatic phrase, it becomes unforgettable to anyone who sees it. The Edge is a shanty town filled with gold seekers, we are fugitives, and the law is skinny with hunger for us. The posters begin appearing everywhere, and people wonder who is behind them. Satanists? Kidnappers? The rumors won't stop, and soon the mystery has dangerous repercussions that spread far beyond the town. The art that brought Frankie and Zeke together now threatens to tear them apart. Twenty years later, Frances Eleanor Budge, famous author, mom to a wonderful daughter, wife to a loving husband, gets a call that threatens to upend everything. A journalist named Mazzie Brower is writing a story about the Coalfield Panic of 1996. Might Frances know something about that? And will what she knows destroy the life she so carefully built? It's a bold kind of coming of age story written with Kevin Wilson's trademark wit and blazing prose. Now is not the time to panic is a nuanced exploration of young love, identity, and the power of art. It's also about the secrets that haunt us and ultimately what the truth will set free. That is now is not the time to panic by Kevin Wilson, bestselling author of nothing to see here.
1: Sounds so good. Mm hmm. I feel like that one's been on the list for a while. I'm glad it's finally coming out. It's yeah, been...
0: I feel like we've been hearing about this and between the cover just kind of like being really easy to look at and go, oh, I want to pick that up to just what sounds like a beautiful overall kind of story of life and what threatens us most, you know, our secrets.
2: Yeah. So my next one is A Thousand Heartbeats by Kira Cass. Uh, Kira, of course, wrote the Selection series, which I love. And this is a um, new standalone romance that is enemies to lovers. Princess Annika has lived a life of comfort, but no amount of luxuries can change the fact that her life isn't her own to control. The king, once her loving father, has gone cold and Annika will soon be forced into a loveless marriage for political gain. Miles away, small comforts are few and far between for Lennox. He has devoted his life to the Daharian army, hoping to one day help them reclaim the throne that was stolen from them. For Lennox, the idea of love is merely a distraction. Nothing will stand in the way of fighting for his people. But when love, against all odds, finds them both, they are bound by its call. They can't possibly be together, but the irresistible thrum of a thousand heartbeats won't let them stay apart. So I I love this election that's one of my favorite YA series um and I love the idea of uh, a new cure cast and it's standalone so so glad nice you're mentioning this
1: one I saw this and then was like oh you have too many picks don't put this on your list so good I love a standalone and this cover the cover it's so beautiful
2: Which is not super surprising because obviously part of, you know, the selection, it's always the gowns on the cover and Mm -hmm. um, that it's continuing with this book as well. Like the very fancy gowns that our protagonist is wearing is taking center stage. (laughs) And I do love this like star-crossed
1: lovers arranged marriage type of story. Yes. Yes. Good stuff. My next pick is actually similar vibes. So good job. Is Cursed by Marissa Meyer. This should not be a surprise. I think I've talked about the first book in this duology, Gilded, on the podcast before, although I don't remember when. I think pre co hosting. So uh, this is the conclusion to her Gilded duology. Uh, So the first book introduced readers to Cyrilda, which was a story based on Rumpelstiltskin. And so this book sees those characters return. Cyrilda and Gild are back to stop the fiendish Earl King from allowing the Dark Ones to enter the mortal realm in a revenge plot against the seven gods The thing about, you know, next in series or duologies, like there's a lot of stuff that we're picking up right in the middle of. Um, But working together to stop the Earl King, Cyrilda and Guild need to break the spells that tie them to his castle uh, before they end up cursed forever. So this has romance. This has adventure. It has magic. It's fairy tale inspired. The cover is great. This book is out November 8th, and that is Cursed by
2: Marissa Meyer. Fun fact, Emma, you did mention it on the podcast. In fact, you mentioned it in last year's November's Biggest Books, (laughs) which is the discussion we had, uh, yes, pre-co-hosting. Which, was Um, that my audition episode? That was your audition episode. (laughs) Okay. And I
1: couldn't pronounce any of the character names in that either, so. (laughs) So. We've come a long way.
0: I mean, I think we've just come full circle. (laughs) Yes. Full circle. Gotta love it. My next pick is out November 22nd. It's a debut novel from Allie Rowbottom. This is Aesthetica. At 19, she was an Instagram celebrity, but now that she's 35, she finds herself working behind the cosmetic counter at that black and white store. She's peddling anti-aging products to women, seeking physical and spiritual transformation. She too is seeking rebirth. She's about to undergo the high risk elective surgery, Aesthetica, a procedure that will reverse all of her past plastic surgery procedures, returning her, she hopes, to a truer self, provided she survives the knife. But on the eve of the surgery, her traumatic past resurfaces when she is asked to participate in the public takedown of her former manager-slash-boyfriend, who has rebranded himself a paragon of woke masculinity in the post-MeToo world. With the hours ticking down to her surgery, she must confront the ugly truth about her experiences on and off the Instagram grid. It's propulsive, dark, and moving. Uh, Aesthetica is a Veronica for the age of Instagram face, delivering a fresh, nuanced examination of feminism, Me Too, and mother-daughter relationships, all while confronting our collective addiction to followers, filters, and faux realities. So that's Aesthetica out November 22nd. I'm really excited for this. This debut novel, because like I said, we are seeing, we are seeing a shift in influencer culture. I mean, half of the Kardashians just had the majority of their procedures reversed. Like, uh, you know, people are getting their filler dissolved. Like we are, we are seeing this happen, but it sounds like this takes the approach of like, what if you have gone so far past, you know, this is like that kind of like parallel to our reality, at least that's the vibe I'm getting from it and the cover is wild it it, you know it looks like an Instagram story and
2: yeah no I am I am loving that um you know people writers who sort of have grown up in as bloggers or Mm -hmm. reading bloggers and influencers are sort of taking that now as the crux of the stories that they're writing because there's a lot there to mine for different books in a yeah. variety of genres. And yes, this cover is wild. I looked it up while you were.
0: <laughs> this is also in like, the description. It's like one of those fascinating examples of the kind of like traditional or terrestrial media catching up with internet culture and internet media, like you said to yes. your point of they are finally mining whatever, you know, just as I said earlier that kids are saying they want to be a YouTuber when they grow up, we're now also saying like, what's the horror story there? So I'm super fascinated by it and just excited to see how it goes.
2: Yes, it's giving Black Mirror vibes, like that sort of the whole Black Mirror of, like the horror of technology yeah. and, and how things can go terribly wrong <laughs> with technology and, and mm. sort of how influencers play into that, so... My next book is Five Survive by Holly Jackson. Red Kenny is on a road trip for spring break with five friends, her best friend, the older brother, his perfect girlfriend, a secret crush, a classmate, and a killer. When their RV breaks down in the middle of nowhere with no cell service, they soon realize this is no accident. They have been trapped by someone out there in the dark, someone who clearly wants one of them dead. With eight hours until dawn, the six friends must escape or figure out which of them is on is the target. But is there a liar among them? Buried secrets will be forced to light, and tensions inside the RV will reach deadly levels. Not all of them will survive the night. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. All of this. Just give it to me right now.
0: I want all of those words. (laughs) I want to read them and then I want to watch the adaptation.
2: Right? (laughs) Yes. No, I mean yeah, let's take this idea of, you know, like locked room mystery group trap somewhere and put them in an RV in the middle of nowhere.
0: Give me the graphic audio of this. Yes. All of it. I want to hear the production. This
1: sounds so good. I love this like Slipped on its head a little bit thriller YA story. I'm very articulate today.
0: Bonjour. This is Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. I'm Andrew Pryor, and every week I bring you the wonderful and fabulous people involved in French food, whether they're here in France like me or from around the world. Each week we dive into a specific topic, be it a French dish, an ingredient, or a French cuisine cooking technique. My guests are all about French food. So come join me on Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. Bon app.
1: My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out. My next pick and my next few are actually a little different for me. They're all nonfiction. So we're feeling some type of way for November, but a lot of wonderful people have books coming out. So my next one is, have I told you this already by Lauren Graham? Because fall is Gilmore girls rewatch time. So this is honestly perfect timing to have this new essay collection about Lauren Graham's years in show business. So this is again, just a collection of personal stories about her life and her career, From her early days, you know, while she was waitressing in New York, looking for gigs to living on her aunt's couch during her first Los Angeles pilot season. And then she also covers things like since she's been in Hollywood. So her thoughts on aging gracefully. There's some name dropping in the description of this, you know, so we've got a story called Ryan Gosling cannot confirm. (laughs) And in another story, she talks about Barney's New York. So this just has wonderful anecdotes, advice, laugh out loud observations. And so all of these original essays showcase a lot of things I think fans love about Lauren Graham. So I'm very excited for this to come out. That was Have I Told You This Already? Stories I Don't Want to Forget to Remember, full title. And that's out November 15th
0: it's a great title it's great mm-hmm. art and lauren graham oh i love and her lauren
2: graham yes
0: so one for the start of the month right in the middle of my list this one is out november 1st this is the debut novel the cloisters from katie hay i am really excited for this one because uh, sarah penner the author of the lost apothecary described it as sinister and jaw-dropping And it's about a circle of researchers who uncover a mysterious deck of tarot cards and shocking secrets in New York's famed Met Cloisters. So, uh, you know, I'm here. When Anne Stilwell arrives in New York City, she expects to spend her summer working as a curatorial associate at the Met, the Metropolitan Museum of Art, but instead she finds herself assigned to the Cloisters a gothic museum and garden renowned for its medieval art collection and its group of enigmatic researchers studying the history of divination. So desperate to escape her painful past, Anne doesn't care. She is happy to indulge the researchers, even though they have these outlandish theories about history of fortune telling. But what begins is just some General curiosity quickly turns into obsession when Anne discovers a hidden 15th-century deck of tarot cards that might hold the key to actually predicting the future. When the dangerous game of power, seduction, and ambition at the cloisters turns deadly, Anne becomes locked in a race for answers as the line between the arcane and modern blurs. So haunting, magical blend of genre, uh, the Cloisters is being described as a gripping debut that will keep you on the edge of your seat. I know I cannot wait for this to hit on November 1st. That is The Cloisters by Katie Hayes.
2: So, yeah, I'm here for Tarot and Cloisters and.
0: And the Met. The and and the Met, yeah.
2: All of it. All of it. Um, So. My next book is The Stolen Book of Evelyn Aubrey by Serena Burdick. England, 1898. When Evelyn first married the famous novelist William Aubrey, she was dazzled by his brilliance. But their newlywed bliss is brief when William is gripped by writer's block and he becomes jealous of Evelyn's writing talent. When he commits the ultimate betrayal, stealing a draft of her novel and passing it off as his own, Evelyn decides to write her way out of their unhappy marriage. In California, 2006, Abigail always wondered about her father, his identity forever lost when her mother unexpectedly died. Or so Abigail thought until she stumbled upon his photo and a message that her great-great-grandmother was the author, Evelyn Aubrey, leading Abigail on a journey to England in search of, for answers. There, she learns of Evelyn's shocking disappearance and how London society believed she was murdered. From what she uncovers about Evelyn, Abigail believes her brilliant great-great-grandmother had another plot up her sleeve. Rich in atmosphere and emotion, the stolen book of Evelyn Aubrey tells the story of literary secrets, a family curse, and the lengths women will go to to take charge of their future. I mean, books about books, books about stolen books, family secrets, a family curse.
0: A time jump. All a time of jump, all, all of, of it, all of, all of all of our different like favorite bits.
2: Yes, all of it, all of it in one.
1: And we do like a main character named Evelyn. So, I'm thinking Hugo and Hardcastle as well. Anyways, <laughs> that sounds wonderful. My next pick is continuing my nonfiction vein. It's quite a wild card pick for me because if you know anything about me, it's that I don't cook, but it is in fact a cookbook, Smitten Kitchen Keepers by Deb Perlman. So I've been following Smitten Kitchen for years on social media and she's like an original food blogger and her recipes are amazing. I have, in my limited culinary skills, tried some of her recipes And they've been pretty manageable even, you know, for my culinarily challenged ways. So this is her third cookbook and it brings a hundred new recipes in her same relatable, approachable style. And this book, Smitten Kitchen Keepers, comes out November 15th. So I love anything that makes cooking approachable, which for me (laughs) is hugely helpful
0: super important to break down the those barriers because there's there's a lot of weird almost like gatekeeping energy around cooking uh, especially in the past with like different shows I was actually talking about this with Marissa the other day and you know once again I know that the celebrity memoirs episode isn't out yet this is the second time I've done this so y'all get to hear from Marissa soon enough but <laughs> I we did briefly talk about her in 700 So uh, she and I were actually talking about how there is such a a strange divide between the idea of a professional chef and a home chef and like some of the flack that Anthony from Queer Eye is given because he's not like a professionally trained chef, but he is the food, like kind of the foodie or the food expert in the show and and the discourse about him online. So uh, super helpful to see anything that is creating recipes that are accessible and available to everyone.
1: And I should say that that is also one of the points of this cookbook is that there are recipes here that are meant to be like your forever go-tos. So something that you like go back to time and time again, because it always turns out perfectly, or it's just an easy thing to bring. So in this, she mentions things like a fuss-free lemon poppy seed cake, or an epic quiche, or just like a slow roasted chicken. So like kind of staple recipes and dishes that you can always go back to and kind of have for your forever files. That is the subtitle of this. It's New Classics for Your Forever Files. Um, So I'm really looking forward to this.
0: I love that. Love it so much. And if you're in a recipe slump or you need something else to add, that weekday rotation sounds like a good one. Emma, I'm going to join you with... Some nonfiction. I have two nonfiction picks uh, coming. Uh, this one and another one. Uh, but I'll hop on the cookbook train with you. This is "What's for Dessert" by Claire Saffitz. She is the internet darling, and this is out November eighth. Uh, I'm sure you've seen her. All, all over the internet, she's always creating wonderful videos and delicious foods and trying to, you know, create things from scratch that you typically buy in a box from a supermarket. Uh, but a quote from her from the book, whether you're into flambé soufflés, or simple loaf cakes, this book offers over 100 different answers to that all-important question, what's for dessert? So Saffith's returns with a hundred recipes for all dessert people, whether you're into impressive yet easy molten lava cakes, comforting rice pudding, or decadent chestnut brownies. In this all-new collection, Claire shares recipes for icebox cakes, pies, cobblers, custards, cookies, and more, all crafted to be as streamlined as possible. No stand mixer, no problem. You won't need one. To keep the recipes straightforward and simple, Claire has made sure that each recipe is extra efficient, whether you're making a whipped Tres Leches cake with hazelnuts or caramel peanut popcorn bars. Fans will find all the warmth, encouragement, and deliciously foolproof recipes with loads of troubleshooting advice that they've come to count on from Claire. So kind of really flows from yours to this one. That's What's for Dessert by Claire Saffitz, and this is out November 8th. You could absolutely grab it in time for Thanksgiving.
1: That sounds so good. And I love Claire.
0: Me she's too. Just oh. great. Every video she's in is always so much fun. And I appreciate the the kind of attention to foolproof creation.
2: Well, I can continue our food nonfiction trend. Totally. This was my next, this was going to be my next book anyway. So it worked out. It is Fatty, Fatty, Boom, Boom by Rabia Chaudhry. If you are at all familiar with the podcast Serial, the first season and Adnan, um, Rabia is also podcast uh, co-host of Undisclosed. And this is a memoir about food, body image, and growing up in a loving, but sometimes oppressively concerned Pakistani immigrant family. So according to family lore, when Rabia Chaudhry's family returned to Pakistan for their first visit since moving to the United States, two-year-old Rabia was more than just a pudgy toddler. Dada Abu, her fit and sprightly grandfather, attempted to pick her up but had to put her straight back down, demanding of Chaudhry's mother, what have you done to her? The answer was two full bottles of half and half per day, frozen butter sticks to gnaw on, and lots and lots of American processed foods. And yet, despite her parents plying her with all the wrong foods as they discovered Burger King and Dairy Queen, they were highly concerned for the future for their large-sized daughter. How would she ever find a suitable husband? There was merciless teasing by uncles, cousins, and kids at school, but Chaudhry always loved food too much to hold a grudge against it. Soon she would leave behind fast food and come to love the Pakistani foods of her heritage, learning to cook them with the wholesome ingredients and eat them in moderation. At once, a love letter with recipes, to fresh roti, chicken brianna ghee um and an often hilarious dissection of life in a Muslim immigrant family fatty fatty boom boom is also a serially honest portrait of a woman grappling with a body that gets the job done but that refuses to meet the expectations of others i know rabia is a bit of a polarizing figure for people who are familiar with Adnan and cereal and, you know, Heyman Lee and, and all of that. But I, I love her. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited for this.
0: I mean, got me from the title. What, what a brilliant title to to pick and to kind of share her own food journey and, and then even some recipes that she loves along the way.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. We're going to continue the nonfiction train with The Stories We Tell by Joanna Gaines. So this is an interesting one. I actually didn't even know it was a thing until recently, which I don't know how this skated by my view because I feel like anytime the Gaines family are mentioned, I perk up a little bit. I'm just a big fan of Fixer Upper. But um, this is her first solo memoir. It comes out November 8th. Um, Again, it's called The Stories We Tell. And I am just going to read a thing that she shared about how this book came to be, because I think it describes it better than anything that I could say. But Joanna wrote... Earlier this year, I started jotting down memories and stories from my past, journaling about things I was still, years later, trying to work through. Half of my life is behind me, and I've been longing for clarity about what I should carry forward and how I could hold this next chapter well. So she started writing a story, a you know, personal story, memories, and then just sort of had some revelations, um, you know, throughout. So, this sounds really interesting. I'm always intrigued to learn more about people that we see, you know, as public figures on their show Fixer Upper and all of those other things, like with Magnolia Network. There is a certain level of feeling like you know them, but you know that that's always just a small portion. And so, I'm interested to see what. Stories she wrote from her past sort of pre-HGTV HGV days. Wow, we're really struggling with words today. And um, just see if there's anything else to glean about, you know, all the things she's been through. She's a mom of five. She and her husband built this huge, huge uh, empire almost for Magnolia Network. I'm just interested to see more about her directly from her in this first sort of solo memoir. So her other books, you know, were lifestyle or cooking. And so this is kind of the first time that we're really going to get those personal stories from her. So, and the cover is lovely. That's the stories we tell by Joanna Gaines out November 8th.
0: I couldn't agree more. I love the idea of learning more about the people that we only ever see kind of like through the window into their lives, and what exactly gets produced and they they share with us. I'll give my uh, last nonfiction pick. Uh, before you know as we start to wrap up our lists here uh, this is by Haruki Murakami it's out November 8th and this is novelist as a vocation so it's an idiosyncratic look at writing creativity and his own novels from the beloved and best-selling author of 1Q84 and Norwegian Wood so, in this book, the best selling author and famously private writer Haruki Murakami shares with readers his thoughts on the role of the novel in our society, his own origins as a writer, and his musings on the sparks of creativity that inspire other writers, artists, and musicians. Here are the personal details of a life devoted to the craft, the initial moment at Yakult Swallow's baseball game when he suddenly knew he could write a novel, the importance of memory, what he calls a writer's mental chest of drawers, the necessity of loneliness, patience, and his daily running routine, the seminal role a carrier pigeon played in his career. Aspiring writers and readers who have long wondered where the mysterious novelist gets his ideas and what inspires his strangely surreal worlds will be fascinated by this insightful and unique look at the craft of writing and into the mind of a master storyteller. So that is Novelist as a Vocation by Haruki Murakami, out November 8th. Yes. I I mean, his books may not be for everyone, but like, if you've even read one of his titles, you want to know how? Yeah. (laughs) Where where that come from? (laughs) So... I think this is a really cool look and knowing how kind of like mysterious and to the chest he kind of thing very very interested in this
2: agreed yeah Uh, yes yes um I think even yeah even if a writer I think it's helpful just to sort of understand how other writers their process even if you're not necessarily a fan of their books I think there's benefits to all that definitely so my next one is A Sliver of Darkness by C.J. Tudor. This is a collection of stories. Um, I read C.J. Tudor's The Chalk Man a couple of years ago and, and really enjoyed it. So I'm excited for shorter books. Um, in The Line of the Gate, a strange piece of graffiti leads to a terrifying encounter for four school friends. In Final Course, the world has descended into darkness, but a group of old friends make time for one last dinner party in runaway Blues, a thwarted love, revenge, and something very nasty stowed in a hat box converge. In Gloria, a strange girl at a service station endears herself to a cold-hearted killer, but can a leopard really change its spots? And in I'm Not Ted, a case of mistaken identity has unforeseen fatal consequences. Riveting, macabre, and explosively original Silver of Darkness is CJ Tudor at her most wicked and uninhibited. Uh, so yes, scary, creepy spooky weird short stories I'm here for this
0: I love a short story
2: I love a short story Um, and the cover is also very interesting in that it looks like it's some kind of eye like almost an animal eye but the pupil the dilated not dilated what's the opposite of dilation whatever the pupil is a knife with blood dripping from it but you don't see it at first glance yet it sort of takes a second um yeah good stuff
1: this sounds so good. And I'm intrigued by the fact that it's a short story collection. This feels like yes. something that you could maybe sit down and devour in one sitting. Right. Yes. Agreed. That sounds perfect. I'm switching gears a little bit with my next pick again uh, before we go back to nonfiction uh, when we wrap up. But my next book is Saint by Adrian Young. So if you've read Adrian Young's books, she, she wrote Fable, I know you recognize the covers of those, but um, she's back in the world of Fable and the Narrows with a new character, Elias, who's nicknamed Saint. So as a boy, he learned the hard way what happens when you don't respect the old tales. His father is killed after his lack of superstition gets in the way. And so as an adult, he's learned to respect the sea and all of her mysterious ways and keep those superstitions a little more top of mind. He's on the brink of achieving everything that he's dreamed of, a ship of his own, a crew, and a license that names him as one of the first Narrows-born traders. But, of course, he meets a mysterious girl from the unnamed sea, and everything that he's worked so hard for comes into question as he's drawn more and more into this girl's world. And distracting him from all of those things he's been striving for his whole life. So Saint by Adrian Young comes out November 29th. We love a seafaring romance. That's all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fantastic. And striking covers for all of these books. But yeah, captivating. My next pick is also out November 1st. It is a YA thriller title. This is She's Gone by David Bell. And I I love the tagline, the perfect couple is the perfect lie. When a girl disappears, who do you suspect? When 17-year-old Hunter Gifford wakes in the hospital on the night of homecoming, he's shocked to learn he and his girlfriend, Chloe Summers, have been in a terrible car accident. Hunter has no memory of the crash, and his shock turns to horror when he's told Chloe's blood has been found in the car, but she's disappeared. Back at school, his fellow students taunt him, and his former best friend starts making a true crime documentary about the case, one that points the finger directly at Hunter. Just when things can't get any worse, Chloe's mother stands in front of the entire town at a candlelight vigil and accuses Hunter of murder. Under mounting pressure from the police, Hunter takes matters into his own hands by questioning anyone who might know the truth and posting videos to prove his innocence. When Hunter learns he and Chloe were seen arguing loudly outside the dance, he faces a sickening possibility. Was he angry enough to kill the person he loved? And that is She's Gone by David Bell, out November 1st.
2: It all sounds so good.
0: I mean we're in the right vibes <laughs> because we're all like yep yep that's what I want to yep. cozy up with yep these are all the books I want to read
2: yes yes um okay so that end my next one is The Ruin of All Witches by Malcolm Gaskill. this is uh non and it is a Gripping story of a family tragedy brought about by witch hunting in Puritan, New England that combines history, anthropology, sociology, politics, theology, and psychology. So all the things. In Springfield, Massachusetts in 1651, peculiar things begin to happen. Precious food spoils, livestock, ails, property vanishes, and people suffer convulsions as if possessed by demons. A woman is seen wading through the swamp like a lost soul, disturbing dreams and visions proliferate children sicken and die as tensions rise rumors spread of witches and heretics and the community becomes tangled in a web of distrust resentment and denunciation the finger of suspicion soon falls on a young couple with two small children the prickly brick maker hugh parsons and his troubled wife mary drawing on rich previously unexplored source material malcolm Glasgow vividly evokes a strange past one where Lives were steeped in the divine and the diabolic, in omens, curses, and enchantments. The Ruin of All Witchers captures an entire society caught in agonized transition between superstition and enlightenment, tradition, and innovation. So Malcolm has written previously about witches and uh, witchcraft and just like the history of all of that. Um, And this one sounds very good and very, you know, timely for this time of year
0: oh yeah it's giving the vavich I can't not pronounce both these I also just really want to lean in and go Wouldst thou like to live deliciously <laughs> I'm in a silly goofy mood it's Friday okay
1: <laughs> it is Friday I do like purple font on that cover as well yes yeah That's my Second to last pick, I have mixed feelings about, if I'm honest, it's The Queen by Andrew Morton. And so the reason I have mixed feelings about it is because they did announce it shortly after she passed away. So I don't know particularly how much this was planned in advance or if it's kind of leaning into the timing, But Andrew Morton is known for his biographies of the British royal family. He's famously known for his collaboration with Diana and that whole scandal back in the 90s. Google that if you want to go down a fun rabbit hole. But they are coming out with the queen, her life on November 15th. And this is supposed to be the definitive account of her life. So. She was always, Elizabeth Windsor was always very well-suited for, you know, living quietly in the country, raising her family, a dog lover, a horse lover, you know, all of those things were kind of set in her path. And then her uncle abdicated and she became heir to the throne, thus completely changing the entire course of her life. And so she's the longest reigning monarch in the UK. There have just been 70 years of her consistent presence and the way in which she's navigated so many key moments in history. You know, she faced challenges within her own family, always under scrutiny. So the queen by renowned biographer, Andrew Morton, just takes an in-depth look at her entire life. You know, there's a lot to be discussed, I think, about her and all of the things that she did. Um, She... have been a reluctant queen, but she was a resolute queen. So I am looking forward to this. Uh, The cover is gorgeous. Andrew Morton is known for writing these types of books. So I'm intrigued to see how um, he approaches, you know, the full scope of her life. And so this is The Queen by Andrew Morton. This is out November 15th.
0: Something
2: I've wondered, does he work with the royal family when he writes these, so they're like authorized versus quote unquote unauthorized type situations. So I read that. I mean, he did work with Diana
1: on her book back Diana in the nineties. Yeah. And he was commissioned to write a book like to time up with the the royal wedding of William and Catherine. So I don't know how much is being directly mm. fed to him from the royal family, but I think he must ha- he must have enough, presence you know yeah. in that sphere that that every, you know that things aren't just, yeah, but I, I would be intrigued to know like the full scope of his access to right to the royal family.
2: Right. Because I feel like that was part of the whole scandal with Diana was how yes. much she yeah. shared. Right. And so yeah. um I was just never sure other than that, like what level of and I mean I, I'm not imagining he like sat down with Elizabeth, but just like what the access to information looked like. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. So yeah, I'm intrigued to see what this fully covers.
0: Absolutely fascinated. I need to I need to know all the details. But for my last pick, we are wrapping up the month actually. This is out November 29th. This is The Sorcerer of Pyongyang by Marcel Thoreau. Ten-year-old Junsu is a bright and obedient boy whose only desire is to be a credit to his family, his nation, and most importantly, his dear leader. However, when he discovers a copy of The Dungeon Master's Guide, left behind in a hotel room by a rare foreign visitor, a new and colorful world opens up to him. With the help of an English-speaking teacher, Junsu deciphers the rules of the famous role-playing game, and his imaginary adventures sweep him away from the harsh reality of a famine-stricken North Korea. Over time, the game leads Jun-soo on a spellbinding and unexpected journey through the hidden layers of his country toward the precocious success, glory, love, betrayal, prison, a spell at the pinnacle of the North Korean elite, and an extraordinary kind of redemption. Vivid, uplifting, and deeply researched novel, The Sorcerer of Pyongyang, is a love story and a tale of survival against the odds. Inspired by the testimony of North Korean refugees, drawing on the author's personal experiences of North Korea, it explores the power of empathy and imagination in a society where they are dangerous liabilities. So that is The Sorcerer of Pyongyang by Marcel Thoreau, out November
2: 29th. November has so many good books.
0: Right? And I get to wrap it up with like D&D. Why not? (laughs) There you
2: go. Uh, my last one is we deserve monuments by Jazz hammonds 17 year old avery anderson is convinced her senior year is ruined when she's uprooted from her life in dc and forced into the hostile home of her terminally ill grandmother mama letty the tension between avery's mom and mama letty makes for a frosty arrival and unearths past dramas they refuse to talk about Every time Avery tries to look deeper, she's turned away, leaving her desperate to learn the secrets that split her family in two. While tempers flare in her avoidant family, Avery finds friendship in unexpected places in Simone Cole, her captivating next-door neighbor, and Jade Oliver, daughter of the town's most prominent family, whose mother's murder remains unsolved. As the three girls grow cro- closer and Avery and Simone's friendship, blo- friendship blossoming into romance, the sharp end edged opinions of their small southern town begin to hint at something insidious underneath. The racist history of Bardell, Georgia is rooted in Avery's family in ways she can't even imagine. With Mama Letty's health dwindling every day, Avery must decide if digging for the truth is worth the toppling, the delicate relationships she's built in Bardell, or if some things are better left buried. So we got kind of a mystery. We got some queer YA romance we you know racial violence and sort of the impact on generations and it's it's a lot of good stuff all in one
1: it sounds like a really compelling read and has I'm gonna go into my final pick that is absolutely not related because of course all of the vibes are completely all over the map Next time, maybe we'll organize by theme. Probably not. Um, But my last pick for November is Scattered Showers by Rainbow Rowell. This comes out November 8th. And this is another short story collection. So there seem to be quite a few coming out this month. But Rainbow Rowell is such a delight. We're all huge fans of her. I feel like on the podcast and at Overdrive as a whole. This is her first short story collection, I think, in print, where she's giving us nine beautifully crafted love stories. And we may be cheeky, got to read this early. And It was so good and just warm and cozy. All of the stories were just sweet. And so if you're a Rainbow Row fan, you also get to return to Simon Snow and there's a fun little holiday adventure featuring him. Um, It's just a really nice collection of good characters, great dialogue, and that storytelling that you come to expect from Rainbow Row. And the cover is stunning. So. That is Scattered Showers, and that comes out November 8th.
0: Truly a fun read, an absolute delight, and perfect if you have only heard of Rainbow Rowell. Maybe you've been meaning to get into her writing, but you haven't yet. It's not a bad place to start. So super glad you added that one to your list, Emma.
1: Yeah, we we did it. We did it for November.
0: We did it. So we are now at the end of the podcast. Thank you all for listening today to our November book picks. We hope to see ya in the next episode. But don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. All that good stuff that we're supposed to say as podcasters. We appreciate you listening to us today. And we hope to hear from you on social media and via email at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com with your suggestions and ideas for future episodes. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll see you all later.
2: Bye. 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 Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on OverDrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit EvergreenPodcast.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Emma Dwyer, Jill Grunewald, and Joe Skelly, and presented by OverDrive. To learn more, visit ProfessionalBookNerds.com.